Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. It is my weekly podcast where I pick the brains of the leading investment professionals in South Africa. My name is Raik van Niekerk and my guest today is Duggan Matthews. He's the Chief Investment Officer at Marriott Investment Managers. Marriott, interestingly, was established in 1862 and is one of the oldest financial services businesses in the country. The group has around 35 billion rand under management. Old Mutual acquired Marriott in 2005. Duggan, thank you so much for joining me. First of all, you Pleasure. are based just outside Durban in Hillcrest, a wonderful and beautiful part of the country. But I don't think there are many chief investment managers outside Joburg and, and Cape Town. But I guess technology has <laughs> removed the borders. Yeah, Rick, it's uh, that's 100% accurate. I think... Um, we're one of the few. There, there are a couple of asset managers also located in, in Durban but or in the Durban area, but we're in the minority. Having said that, it's a great place to work. And as you say, technology allows allows for, for flexible working arrangements. So people are working from strange places these days, I suppose. But let's talk about investments. Marriott is part of Old Mutual, as I've said, and that is an established asset manager, but you are seen as a boutique within Old Mutual. And you describe your investment style as being income-focused. Uh, just exactly what, what does that mean and how does it differ from other investment managers who focus on fixed income? Okay, sure, Rick. And it's a great place to start, I think. Uh, I think that income focus of ours really defines the business and uh, differentiates us from, from the competition. Uh, I think we, we're pretty unique in that we do focus on income. And that's not saying we don't... Um, concern ourselves about total return and capital outcomes. We absolutely do, but we recognize that the ultimate driver of good returns comes from from income and income growth from investments. And a big reason for our, our focus on income is that we recognize that so many investors are investing to draw an income stream from their savings because they're entering a post-retirement phase. And we think it just makes good sense to invest in, in businesses that can produce a steady income stream so that it can allow those businesses to draw that income from their portfolios without eroding capital, which means selling the bonds and the shares that actually produce the income, the, the capital base. And that's a good way of making sure that your that your annuity will last you for the length of your retirement. At the end of the day, retirement is a long story, 20 or 30 years. So you want to keep that capital base intact for as long as you can. Yes, absolutely. We receive many questions on a daily basis from our readers, from our radio audiences, and the majority are from pensioners and they are concerned yep. about fixed income. We are living in, in a world where the interest rates are at all-time lows, including yep. South Africa. But when I look at your high-income fund of funds, which is one of your flagship funds, the return over the past one year... 10% total return, the income portion 7.1%. But I yep. think a 10% return over the past year is, is actually phenomenal and it actually beats your own performance over all the other periods listed in your fun fact sheet. That includes two years, three years, four years, five years and since inception. How do you approach it? What do you invest in? It was a great year for investors in our high income fund as well as the sister fund, which is our core income fund both being our flag flagship funds at Marriott's. And and the reason for, I suppose, a really good year, uh, which we're obviously pleased to have produced for our investors, is that you know, COVID and the, the economic volatility around the COVID crisis, as 
crises tend to do, presented a, a really good opportunity for the fund. And that was a huge sell-off in, in government bonds, which occurred in March and April last year. And the result was the yields on medium-term government bonds, the R186, for instance, which is a, a bond maturing in 2026, touched 12%. And obviously, you know, when you consider that cash in the bank now is yielding 3.5%, you can, you can comprehend kind of the magnitude of that opportunity. And we were well positioned to take advantage of that opportunity, and we did that. Yields have obviously come down a lot since then which has translated into, into capital gains for investors. And the end result has been a really pleasing year for, the, for our investors in those portfolios, in our income funds. What is the risk profile of this fund? The fund is aimed at, I think, a moderately conservative investor, an investor looking to, to draw a relatively high level of income from their savings, as somebody who can't take on too much volatility, so concerned about capital losses over a 24-month period. So ideally that the investor should have a two-year time horizon. And we believe the core and high-income fund are very good solutions for that type of investor. The, the current yield on the portfolio is, is close to 6%. And if you consider cash in the bank is yielding 3.5%, we just think a useful proposition in the current climate. I recently spoke to... Patrice Rousseau from Ashburton, pretty much about the same topic we are talking about today. And he said investors may look at an option to move from fixed income to low equity multi-asset funds. And he doesn't see this trend. Are you seeing a trend of investors moving from fixed income to the multi-asset space? Yeah, I, th I think what we've seen in recent years is because of the disappointing returns from from equity markets, a shift perhaps out of balanced portfolios uh, with, with more equity exposure into more fixed interest type portfolios because the, the returns from cash and bonds have been significantly better. So that's the, the trend we've seen in recent years. We will see a, a budget announcement this week. And we expect very, very bad news. And I think the, the surprise will be if the bad news is not as bad as many people expect. How do you think that will affect markets, um, especially the, the income markets? Yeah, um, you know, we, it's, a, it's going to be an important announcement for, for the bond markets. I think you make a good, good point there. I think there's, there's so much bad news priced into South African government bonds that even though it could potentially be a, not a very positive budget, a budget clearly sh showing some financial stress on the part of the SA government. I think most of that bad news is, has been priced in. And you might find that because the South African economy has been a little bit more resilient, we've had a rebound in commodity prices, that the expectation the markets have uh, potentially will be overly pessimistic. And our expectation is that the budget is probably going to exceed those expectations, which is likely to be reasonably positive for South African government bonds. I think the reality is, if you, is that if you look at the pricing of bonds, you know, so much bad news is in that price. And as a result of that, we've got a situation where our bonds are offering amongst the highest real yields in the world and one of the steepest yield curves as well in the world. So, so I think there's, there's more upside potential going forward uh, than downside potential for sure. 
But as you've said earlier, we've seen a significant strengthening of bond rates from or the 186 from over 12% currently under 7% or around 7%. And yeah. the 10-year the bond has also strengthened significantly. And that is post a downgrade to junk status by Moody's yeah. and the other uh, agencies. We will probably see more downgrades this year, which will not be a surprise due to the weakening fiscal no. position of the state. Are, are you concerned about rating agencies and uh, the ratings of our bonds? No, I think once again it's it's in it's it's in the price. I think you don't you know if you think about the yield backdrop globally, twenty five percent of global bonds are yielding negative interest rates. So you put your money in those bonds, you're going to get a negative return if you hold them to maturity, and that doesn't even take into account inflation. The yield of a U.S. inflation-linked bond at the moment is sitting at negative one percent in the U.K. For a 10-year UK inflation-linked bond, it's sitting at negative 2.8%. So, so although our yields have come down, they still remain hugely attractive relative to what is available in the rest of the world. So I've mentioned that they're amongst the highest in the world. They do come with additional risk. Of course they do. But I think if, if an asset manager can a, a, a manage that risk sensibly, investors looking for income, I think you're going to struggle to find a better place. And from our perspective, to, to manage that, that, that risk of a potential government default, we would stick to government bonds with um, maturities less than 10 years, because although we do think we're we're not on a great path from a fiscal sustainability perspective, we still think it's going to take a lot of time before we eventually end up at that point. The word default just sent a shiver down my spine. But you also said managers should manage their portfolios sensibly, which is an interesting term for an asset manager. What do you mean by that? No, I just think you've got to be cognizant of the, of the risks. Um, you don't want to end up in a situation where you're reaching for yield. So you want to go, you want to try and achieve a good yield, but you want to make sure the risk of disappointments and capital volatility is minimized. And when you consider that South Africa is on a diff difficult path from a debt sustainability perspective, for us, that negates very long-term government bonds from our investable universe. We're not interested in lending to the government for periods of 10 years or longer. Our preferred government bonds have a maturity profile of just over five years because we think within that framework, that time frame, you're going to pick up a really attractive yield and the potential of any defaults within that time frame is very, very remote. So that is how I think you can go about sensibly, sensibly using the government bond market to achieve good outcomes for investors. Duggan, we are living in a very interesting interest rate environment, uh, not only locally, but also internationally, where rates are at all time or record lows. Now, many people who live on fixed investment products really battle. Let's use an example of a 60-year-old pensioner who has 1 million rand available to invest. The person is, however, very concerned about capital preservation, but would like to see a higher yield. What would your advice be for such an individual? Of course, it always relates to that risk appetite of the investor and how much volatility they can stomach. But I think the reality is that if you're not going to take on any uh, duration risk or market risk whatsoever, and you're going to just end up in, 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 in funds very close to money market vehicles or cash-type funds, the return outlook for those type of portfolios is, is not good at all. I mean, you're going to be lucky if you get 4%. So I, 
So I think those investors are going to have to consider maybe taking on a little bit more risk from a volatility perspective. But having said that, that doesn't mean you have to look at high-risk investments. We still think a five-year government bond is, an, is a very low-risk investment in the context of South Africa. And there you can get substantially better returns than you can with money sitting in a bank account. And remember, one also needs to understand that government bonds are more are safer than, than, than bank deposits because at the end of the day, governments bail out banks and not the other way around. So I think there is an opportunity for retired investors who need to draw a relatively high level of income to maybe start thinking about not having all their money in cash, but looking to, to include some shorter to medium-dated government bonds into their portfolios so that they can get a higher yield, draw more income from their savings safely. And essentially, that's, that's what our core income fund and high income fund is all about. What do you think is a realistic expectation for additional yield if you move from cash to an income fund? Yeah, that's a really good question, Rake. I think I think you're looking at 40% returns in your in your cash type investments. I think if you're prepared to invest in instruments with a bit longer term, such as those those bonds that we're chatting about, I think you can you can push that return up to about six or seven percent, as well as a yield of about six percent. You'll have a little bit more volatility, but if you're there for a two for two years and you have that type of time horizon the probability of achieving a 67% return and a 6% level of income is very, very high, in our opinion. The the volatility is interesting, especially in an income fund. Would that be volatility in capital values or in actual returns? Yeah, it will be, it will be volatility, short-term volatility in capital values, but very, very low in comparison to to the type of volatility that you would see in equity portfolios or balanced fund, uh, balanced portfolio, minimal volatility, but volatility ne- nevertheless, because if you contrast that to money market funds, there's obviously zero volatility in those type of portfolios, but the trade-off is very, very low returns. So, so we're saying we think at this point in time, it, it makes sense to maybe take on a little bit of volatility, invest outside of pure cash deposits, Look at those high yields on offer by government bonds. Be sensible by restricting your the term that you go out to to around the five-year five year, uh, mark, and you can achieve a good outcome despite the very low cash rates in South Africa. Just lastly, I am looking at your current asset allocation of the high-income fund of funds. And as you've said earlier, around 50% of the portfolio is in government bonds. But I also see that you only have 0.6% invested in real estate investment trusts. Uh, Now, in the past, uh, listed property was a great asset class. Uh, It has performed poorly in recent years due to the poor performance of our economy. Are you looking at the property sector? Do you think there is value and potential yield on offer? Yeah, we probably see a bit of value there, but that sector is under so much pressure and there's so much uncertainty as to, uh, with regards to the, to the outlook of that sector. Uh, we're seeing negative rental reversions. There's an oversupply of space. So that's why you know, our, you've seen that 50% allocation in bonds. What we want to do is we want to take that yield. We want to hold that instrument to maturity. We want to come down the yield curve, which results in capital appreciation. And at the end of the day, if, if you, can, you can achieve a lot more predictability using bonds in an income portfolio as opposed to listed property and hence our preference for it. 
Dagan, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, yeah, thank you for sharing your insights. Pleasure, Rick. Thanks for having us. That is Dagan Matthews. He's the Chief Investment Officer at Marriott Investment Managers.